We interact with God's Word this morning. A couple of thought questions as we begin. What does it take to satisfy you? What does it take to satisfy you? Are you content in life? Do you want more of, and you can finish the sentence, whatever it may be. When is enough enough? Praise and contentment seem to be the heart and lungs of godly living. Praise, as we look at the Psalms, seems to yield contentment. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 146. Reading together, Psalm 146. As you read about the psalm, you check some history. It seems to be written after the 70 years of exile in Babylon. You know, because of the words and the construction, it was probably used almost daily as part of prayers and worship in the synagogue. And some scholars attribute this psalm, Psalm 146 and Psalm 147, to Haggai and Zechariah. Psalm 146, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord is God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. As we think about this psalm, the psalmist begins with a call to praise in verses 1 through 4. And in the context of praise, he mentions God the Creator in verses 5 and 6. In verses 7 through 9, we find God the Sustainer. In the first part of verse 10, we find God the Great King. And then he concludes the psalm again with a call to praise. And again, keep in mind, I think it's good to remember that this was written probably after the Babylonian captivity. And that comes out as we look at the psalm. He begins the psalm with praise the Lord. What does it mean to praise? Satisfaction 
in lauding a superior. Praise the Lord. Satisfaction in lauding the Lord. Involved in praise is to brag about, to shout, to boast. We go to a sports event and you hear a lot of volume. Do we hear the same shouting, bragging, and boasting about the Lord? He says, praise the Lord. Can we be satisfied with just lauding God? Do we need more? We come to the end of the day and we look back at our day and we say, what did we do? I praise God in the way I worked, the way I drove, the way I shopped, the way I responded to mom and dad and so on. I'm content. I praise God. The idea of praise involves satisfaction in lauding a superior. And praise seems to bring contentment. In life, he says, Praise the Lord. We looked at Psalm 3 last week and we found the Lord means independent, self existing, continuous, far beyond our comprehension. You ever think about what it means or what it would be like to be self existent? To be continuous? When did, he be, when did the Lord begin? He always was. When does he end? He always will be. Praise the Lord. Then he says again, praise the Lord, O my soul. And the idea behind soul is the mind, the person, that which possesses an appetite, that which desires. Praise the Lord, O my soul, my person. My appetites, my desires, we choose to brag, we choose to boast, we choose to glory. And the one who is independent, self-existing, and continuous one. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord. I don't know if you underline in your Bible, but if you do, maybe you underline all my life. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. I will praise God. God is the one who has strength, power. He's absolutely faithful. I will laud God. I will shout. I will boast in the Lord. I will boast in God as long as I live. He goes on, he says, do not put your trust. There's a contrast here. The Lord in contrast to do not put your trust in princes. Trust is don't put your reliance. Don't put your firmness. Don't put your security in whom princes. Immortal men who cannot save. I find it interesting that we're coming almost two weeks after the election and people are still bemoaning who made it. I find it interesting, too, that they're still trying to figure out those who put their confidence in the opinion polls or the polls that were taken 
The election didn't go as planned. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men. How much confidence did the people back in that day put in mortal man, in princes, in political leaders? How about financial advisors today? Don't put your confidence, your trust in princes and mortal men who cannot save. Now this word save is interesting, used in Psalm 3, used in a number of other psalms. The word save means to make wide, to make sufficient, and it stands in contrast to narrow and restricted. Don't put your trust in princes and mortal men who cannot save. They can't make your life wide. They can't make it sufficient. They can't provide forgiveness. They can't provide a change in character. When I think of making something wide, I think of the hike that Danny and I went on on in Yellowstone. Can't remember the name of the mountain. We parked and we hiked for several hours, and as we're hiking up, you had a fairly good view if you looked back. Then we got to the top, and you could see miles the whole way around. Just stand there and look, and then turn and turn and turn. That's the idea of save. The narrow place is opened up wide. He says, don't put your trust in princes and mortal men, who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. And then he goes on, he says, on that very day, their plans, their thinking comes to nothing. How many of you can remember President Johnson and some of the plans that he had for America? Anyone remember them? Are they being fulfilled? Do any of you remember some of President Carter's plans that he had for America? I don't see very many takers. Are they being fulfilled by him? Let's get a little closer home. How about President Clinton? Is he fulfilling his plans as president? Now, he's still living, I understand. So is Carter. But on that very day, their plans come to nothing. The Lord stands in contrast to princes and mortal men. When mortal men die, what happened? Their plans come nothing. They come to an end. The psalmist goes on in verse 5 as he discusses God as creator. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. The idea of blessed is to walk in the way of understanding, to be happy, to be enabled. Blessed is the one whose help is the God of Jacob. Help, assistance, to come alongside. Blessed 
happy, contented, enabled is he whose help is the God of Jacob. Remember Jesus' invitation in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come on to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. The psalmist is saying, blessed, happy, contented, enabled is the one who is having the Lord God as their help. Stands in contrast to princes and mortal man. Blessed is he whose help is the God. And I emphasize the one who has strength, the one who has power, who is absolutely faithful. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, the independent, self-existing, continuous one. Who is this Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever? We today can look at some magnificent buildings that have been constructed. But they were made by dependent people using the resources that God the Creator provided. The Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful. He remains established. There's a firmness. There's a dependability that is present. Don't hook your wagon to mortal men, to princes, but rather praise the Lord. He is faithful. Now notice the contrast. Don't put your trust in princes and mortal men who can save, but blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord is God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the one who remains faithful forever. Where do we put our trust? Where do we place our confidence? The psalmist says, put it in the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the one who remains faithful. Faithful forever. For those who put their confidence in the government, there's always going to be disappointment. For those who put their confidence in the stock market, that's never stable. For those who put their confidence in their retirement account, that can disappear pretty quickly. For those who put their confidence in their mate alone, their mate is not God. For those who put their confidence in children or parents, we change. We're not faithful all the time. Develop a pattern of praise to God because of who he is. He goes on in verses 7 through 9, and again, reflect on this in the context of Israel coming back from exile. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. Now the uphold means to exercise or execute rather judgment. 
It's the idea of fashioning an object. It's God acting in in history. He, the Lord, what does he do? He upholds the cause of the oppressed. Israel, Judah, particularly Judah, went into captivity. They were oppressed. What's the Lord doing? He's upholding their cause. He's fashioning their cause. He's executing judgment for the oppressed. They spent 70 years in captivity. A remnant returned. And the psalmist praises God because, or praises the Lord, he upholds the cause of the oppressed. What else does he do? He gives food to the hungry. Imagine Judah coming back from captivity, coming from Babylon, coming back to the what we call the promised land, modern-day Israel. They didn't get in a jet and fly. Many of them would have walked. They come back to Jerusalem, which is tore down. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. Judah being in captivity, in bondage, being set free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. He sets his affection on, he sets his commitment on the righteous. A remnant returns from Babylon. And whether it be Haggai or Zechariah or someone else who penned the psalm, the Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien, sustains the fatherless and the widow. Judah, in captivity, the Lord watched over them some 70 years. They return. The Lord continues to watch over them. He continues to pay attention to them, fulfilling the obligation of his covenant. He's exercising great care over them. The Lord watches over the alien. He sustains. Who? The fatherless and the widow. The idea of sustaining. Derived from a word that involves to repeat. Thus we have continuance. The Lord sustains for a day, for another day, for another day, for another day, for another day. He sustains the fatherless and the widow. Think about Daniel and his three friends as they're in Babylonian captivity. 
They remained faithful. The Lord sustained them. Sustained Daniel through 70 years of captivity. And then he served the king of the next kingdom. Daniel and his three friends being aliens and in some way fatherless and not widows, but fatherless. They would have been separated from their families. What else does the Lord do? He frustrates. The idea of frustrates is to turn upside down, to bend, to make crooked. What does God do? He says he frustrate, the Lord frustrates the ways of the wicked. They have their plans and they just get turned upside down. They're made crooked. Think about people in history whose plans were turned upside down. I think we could say Hitler was a wicked man. What happened to his ways? What happened to his plans? They were turned upside down. Think about wicked people. What does the Lord do? He frustrates. He makes them crooked, the ways of the wicked. And the ways, here is an interesting word in Hebrew, It involves trampling. It involves treading. The idea of a wine press is involved. Or it's a path worn by constant use. He frustrates the ways of the wicked. The wicked will stop and they'll ponder and they'll plan. They're going to do wrong. They're going to do evil. And what does God do? He makes them crooked. They can't fulfill what they planned. Think about the Tower of Babel. God just frustrated the languages and the tower could not go on. Think about Egypt. They're going to dominate the Israelites. God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no way. And what did he do? He turned Israel upside, or not Israel, but Egypt up upside down with ten plagues. Babylon, very, very powerful nation, a great city. Three chariots could ride side by side on top of the wall around Babylon. The river ran through the city, and the city was taken basically without firing an arrow because the plans of the wicked were frustrated by the Lord. And keep that in mind. If this is being written after the captivity, the psalm is saying the Lord frustrates the ways of the wicked. The ways of Babylon may be an example. Take time to meditate upon these verses. He upholds the cause of the oppressed, he gives food to the hungry. And so on. Who or what else is like the Lord? No one, no thing. 
He says then in verse 10, the Lord reigns forever. Again, the Lord, the independent, the self-existing, continuous one, reigns to be, to exercise the function of a monarch. And we have future implications here. Not only in the present, but in the future. The Lord, the independent, self-existing, continuous one, reigns. He exercises the functions of a monarch. It's not Nebuchadnezzar. It's not Belshazzar. The psalmist says, the Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Don't trust the government. Yes, we're to submit, we're to follow, but don't trust the government. Why? Mortal men. Their plans cease when they die. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. The Lord reigns. Then he concludes the psalm with praise the Lord. Be satisfied with lauding, praising a superior. Praise. We come to the end of our day and we look back and say, I'm satisfied. I praise God. Is that sufficient? The idea seems to be Praise God. That brings satisfaction. Let's sit around our dinner table sometimes and brag about God. Let's boast about God. Maybe sometimes let's not just talk about Him, let's shout some praise, maybe. The idea of praise. Who are we praising? The independent, self-existing one. Often stop and think about God, his character, his works, his names, and praise. We live in narrow places many times because we don't praise the Lord. Praise the Lord opens into a wide path, he is able to save. So a question. You come to the end of your life and you look back in your life and you say, what did I accomplish? And all you can say is, I praised the Lord. Is that enough? We're not careful. We get consumed with so many other things, accomplishing so much, and we miss praise. The Lord is the independent, self-existing one who is faithful, who is wise, who is, who is majestic, who is just. He's good. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's loving. He's everywhere present. He's sovereign. He's eternal. He's wrath. 
He's all-powerful, all-knowing, holy, truthful. Praise the Lord. Who are we praising? The independent, self-existing one who is majestic, all-powerful, everywhere present. That's something to praise. What else? Or who else are we praising? These might be a little small to read. But uh, we're praising Jehovah Nissi, the continuous one, who is our rod and our protection. Jehovah Makedish, the one who is continuous, who is holy, he's set apart. The everlasting God, power everlasting, to him all things are known. Jehovah Jireh, the continuous one who sees and provides. Jehovah Rafi, the continuous one who is sufficient and can heal. Jehovah Raha, the continuous one who shepherds the flock. The Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Shalom, the continuous one who provides contentment and satisfaction. We're praising the Lord because of his creation, his work in Israel crossing the Red Sea. Not going where it's supposed to. We can praise him because of his work in the flood, the ten plagues, crossing the Jordan River, manna for Israel while in the desert, water while they were in the desert. Praise the Lord because of his works. I will praise the Lord all my life. Let's praise the Lord through giving as the ushers come forward.